that's the point of this conversation. Imagine if the dear counselee that I just had the privilege of dismissing was going to walk into a mentoring ministry that had some sort of a deeper life. There's something better than the scripture now. How confusing would that be for our counselee? And therefore, when you have women's ministries that are inconsistent with what's being taught in other areas of the local church, it's going to be very, very confusing. And conversely, when it all fits together seamlessly, it's going to be so effective and understandable for the people that we're trying to serve. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. This is the podcast that explores how a church makes the transition from having a counseling center to being a counseling center. So where the twin doctrines of sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification impact and penetrate every facet of local church ministry. So we're trying to address questions like, what happens when biblical counseling hits the streets? Or or what kind of product is biblical counseling trying to produce? Or how do people use BC principles in their everyday lives and occupations? Or, again, what happens when biblical counseling principles begin to penetrate and permeate every facet of local church ministry? I'm Steve Byers, and I serve as the senior pastor of Faith Church and Faith Biblical Counseling Ministries in Lafayette, Indiana. And today it's a privilege to speak with two leaders from our church family, Janet Oakwin and, and Jen Clark. Janet oversees the women's ministries at Faith. Jen leads our women's mentor ministry, and I can't tell you how thankful I am for the important work they do and how their effort fits right into our disciple-making efforts. You know, maybe I should start by telling a brief story of what happened to me this week and, and how the ministries that you two are involved in were such an incredible blessing to me. So I just finished a, a counseling session recently. It was a case of a couple from our church. They had been married before, and now they were married to one another and starting to sense that some of the challenges from former relationships were seeping their way into their marriage now. And so I'm really thankful. They didn't wait until they were going down the third time. They were wise enough to say, we need to get some help. And so they signed up for biblical counseling. And they had some significant issues. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of abuse in the past. But they were already rooted in different ministries of the church. They were listening in the worship services. They were involved in an adult Bible fellowship. They were in some other smaller group ministries. So they had a lot of resources in place. So they just said, we need some accelerated, concentrated help. So they signed up for counseling. In the providence of God, I had the privilege of working with them and worked with them for several weeks. And by God's grace, it went very, very well. So we started talking about landing the plane. And that's always a process that we work on together. And I asked them, did they feel like they were ready to be done with counseling and be transitioned back into the regular discipleship ministry of the church? And and the, the wife said, you know, I don't want to go from 60 miles an hour to nothing. I would really like to have a mentor. So is there a way that I can have a mentor assigned to me? So I reached out to Janet, and within 24 hours, I had an email back from Jen. So Janet contacted Jen, who then contacted me and said, here's a woman who has been trained in biblical counseling. She loves mentoring other women in the church, and she would be happy to serve in this way. I, I was just amazed. 24 hours. And way to I go, had Jen. The answer. It was. It's the way the process is supposed to work. And so just last Monday, we had our final counseling session, but the mentor was there. And so the couple was able to essentially just do a data dump. 
They were able to summarize why they came for counseling, summarize what God had done in their life, summarize what were the key principles that they had learned, and we were able to talk about what would the wife like the relationship with the mentor to look like? So how many times would they meet, in what format, and those sorts of things. And it was just so reassuring to me as a pastor. As they walked out of the room, I was certain that what the woman was going to receive next, it was consistent with everything we had done in counseling. It was going to be consistent with the doctrines of sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification. That's what we mean by biblical counseling in action. That's what we mean by how does a church make a transition from having a counseling center to being a counseling center, and there's no way it could happen unless there were godly women like Janet Oakwin and like Jen Clark. And so I just want to say again, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for the work that you're doing that's helping our church accomplish our mission of making disciples. So now I really am interested in learning more about how did God get you to the place where you were prepared and willing to serve in such an excellent way. So ladies, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I first just like to learn, how did you become interested in biblical counseling? So Janet, if you could tell us that part of the story, and then Jen, I'd like to hear it from your perspective as well. I became a Christian as a freshman in college in Florida, and there was a wonderful missionary who discipled me. And her approach was very personal, and I now know integrational counseling. And I learned. Um, I didn't know that word, and I was helped, and I was growing. But over time, there were things that concerned me that I really couldn't explain. I remember I talked to Doc Smith about it after I moved here, and he used the phrase morbidly introspective. Mm. That's how it felt. At some point, I remember telling her, I feel like I have to choose between what I'm learning and the Word of God, like this is something deeper and better than the Word of God. And it seemed to be pulling me to think that I was above many of the people in my church because I knew I knew things that they didn't. So I was very, I was getting uncomfortable, and at the same time, I was teaching a 10th grade Sunday school class with these girls and didn't have a clue how to help them. I could share truth, but one girl kept struggling in her walk. And I prayed with her to get saved, I don't know how many times. Mm. Every time she'd struggle, she would decide she probably wasn't saved, and I'd be terrified she wasn't, and I'm not going to minimize that. So we'd pray over and over and over, every time she doubted. And so what I knew was that I didn't know what to do. And at the same time, a family that had befriended me at my church had a daughter who was at this church, Lori. And she told me about biblical counseling and faith, and I was in the middle of a job change, and so instead of moving with my job, I quit my job and came up here to learn about biblical counseling and then to go back to Florida and use it. And that was 30 years ago, so I haven't left yet. <laughs> and we are really glad. <laughs> We're glad you haven't left. And, and I had forgotten that part of your story, that a sovereign God used that particular experience in your life to help you understand the difference between biblical counseling ideas that are consistent with the doctrines of the sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification, as opposed to other methods of counseling that are out there that are not going to be consistent with the Word of God. Right. And I'm really glad that the Holy Spirit worked in your heart and life to, to help you understand the difference. You didn't set your hair on fire. You didn't go no. on a crusade for the rest of your life <laughs> about criticizing what somebody else did, but you wanted to find an approach to counseling that was 
consistent with the doctrine of the sufficiency of the Word of God. And I'm so grateful the Lord used her. She loved me. She shared the gospel with me. She's the one who led me to Christ. She cared about things below the surface, which, quite frankly, I was in a church that was more surface. And then I was being discipled by somebody who was more deeply integrational, and it just got very confusing. But I'm so grateful for her, and I'm grateful the Lord used her. And so I I understand her desire and her heart, and she's still very special to me. But the Lord used that and then allowed me to also know Lori at the same time and to be able to see the difference. That's pretty fascinating, too, because what you're saying is you were experiencing both ditches on either side of the road simultaneously. And so you had a shallower (laughs) approach to Christian living at at a local church level, and then you had a deeper life, something better than the Scripture in your counseling. And what you were looking for was something that was going down the middle of the road. The Word of God is all that I need in order to grow and change. And I couldn't have said any of that. All I knew to say to her is, I'm getting confused, and I feel like it's making me not want to read the word because it's not enough, and, and I don't know what to do now because you're sharing scripture with me that's making me think I, I need something different than scripture. And that's the point of this conversation. Imagine if the dear counselee that I just had the privilege of dismissing was going to walk into a mentoring ministry that had some sort of a deeper life. There's something better than the scripture now. How confusing would that be for our counselee? And therefore, when you have women's ministries that are inconsistent with what's being taught in other areas of the local church, it's going to be very, very confusing. And conversely, when it all fits together seamlessly, it's going to be so effective and understandable to Mm. the people that we're trying to serve. So Jen, how did you become interested in biblical counseling? Well, I had never heard of biblical counseling until 2014 when my husband, my then 16-year-old daughter, and I attended track one of the biblical counseling training conference. God had blessed us with a good foundation of sound theology, but it was through that conference that God opened wide a whole new door to us. And it was the connection between the sufficiency and authority of scripture and progressive sanctification. The Lord had already given me a love for serving women in the church through teaching them how to study the Bible and for discipling and encouraging them in their walks. But when I heard the teaching on the heart and then how to use scripture to help others in their daily walks, I knew I wanted and I needed to learn more. I initially thought I was attending the conference to benefit the ladies that I was serving back home, and it did, but After about the third or fourth session, and it may have been the session on marriage, I realized that the Lord had me at that conference to work on me and my heart. He's had to do a lot of teaching, and he's still teaching me, but I'm still learning, and I'm so grateful for him having brought us to that conference. Well, and that's part of the beauty of biblical counseling, isn't it? It's not just a matter of helping someone else. It's also a matter of the Holy Spirit doing a work in our hearts and lives. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've learned after doing this a long time is the Holy Spirit can multitask. He can. can, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) He can be working in the hearts and lives of our counselees and in the counselor simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And when there are trainees in the room, he can be working on them as well. And it's a beautiful thing when all God's children are trying to grow at Mm -hmm. the same time, then the focus isn't on the wisdom of the counselor or on a particular organization. The focus is on Jesus Christ and his redemptive power to help us change. That's, That's a great story. Thank you for that, Jen. Sure. How did you receive your training, Janet? 
Initially, I went through the 11-week training here at Faith, so I moved up here and initially met with Pastor Good, and I realize he's gone, but man, he was so instrumental in my life, and I remember as a 24-year-old person who thought I knew more than I did, I interviewed him, (laughs) and he allowed it and was very gracious, but I was choosing to move up here, so when I visited, it was like, is this where I want to go? So I grilled him. And when I moved up here, I wanted to take the training, do my thing, and move out. And he, along with some other leaders, said, you need to be in our church six months before you even take the training. You'll get much more out of it if you see it lived out first, which I think is so true because it's part of the DNA of the church. And you get, so I got a job and stayed in town for at least six months, went through the 11-week training here, and then just started serving. Later, after I had children and they were old enough, I wanted to get certified, realized I had to take the training again, which I literally thought I will do it to check the box, and I learned so much taking it again. I totally needed to take the training again, and then went through the process and got certified probably about five years ago. That's one of the values of the way the biblical counseling training is packaged now. So even if a person takes it live or virtually, they're given access for 30 days to review those lectures over and over and so over. So helpful. And what you just said, Janet, is so true. You know, I've had so many people describe the training as it's like taking a drink out of a fire hose. And so to be able to review those principles, our minds could only assimilate so much <laughs> yes. at once. And what you said, Jen, is so true. We're also applying it to our own heart and life. And so to get all that together, mm-hmm. you just need to review and review and review. I appreciate that. Well, well, let's transition over and talk about women's ministries, can we? Sure. And so I'd just like to understand, how do you see biblical counseling principles intersecting women's ministries? So, so Janet, why don't you start, and then, Jen, if you can layer in the mentor mm-hmm. aspect of that. Sure. My first thought is, it's just embedded, and I don't always realize that we're using biblical counseling principles until I'm serving in some way outside of our church or I listen to speakers who are seeking to help women who have not been embedded in this. So our women's discipleship really does center around helping women to understand their own heart. To us, that's just what discipleship means. And I remember just recently talking with Jen about how she teaches how to teach the Bible differently than she did without even knowing it. We were talking about that, and Mm -hmm. I said, do you realize that's because you're looking at the heart now instead of just learning the story? So it's just what we do now. I know just recently I've been meeting with our women's ministry leaders to talk about their long-term goals, and they're growing and they're godly, and as we talked about their goals, it was just a natural part of our conversation that we said, she was saying to me, here are the idols that frequently get in the way. Here are the things I'm going to need to work on if I'm going to be a better leader. What are the battles? How can I intentionally grow in that if I'm going to lead? And that's just part of normal discipleship. And then I compare that to how I tried to help the young girl doubting her salvation. All I knew to say is, well, then pray, because I think you should be sure. Or now I can understand, it's the level of her heart, that she didn't understand how to grow and change. And I am so thankful that God took me to a place where I could understand that, and then I could help equip other people to do that too. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said you're in the conversation with one of the leaders, and it turned into like a counseling session. The way she was talking about it and the way you were interacting— but I doubt that you would have called that counseling. Not I, at all. I, I doubt that she would have walked away and said, well, Janet just counseled me. 
Right. And so that's what we mean when we say, what does biblical counseling look like when it hits the streets, when it penetrates and permeates every facet of local church ministry? And I do think it's possible to overuse the word counseling. I think we need to be talking a lot about soul care, being a spiritual friend, concentrated discipleship. That's part of what demystifies the whole counseling process anyway. So, so Jim, when you see it specifically from the perspective of the, the mentor ministry, how does biblical counseling principles, how does that intersect? Sure. Well, the goal of the mentor ministry is to provide the opportunity for women to be trained and equipped in order to become more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. So it's essentially focused or like you said, concentrated discipleship. It's bringing God's word to light in another's life, whether the mentor is discipling a new believer, you know, teaching her spiritual disciplines and holding her accountable, or maybe she's walking through deep waters and so this other sister comes alongside her to give her help and encouragement along the way. And it's helping her to see the sin in her heart and coming alongside to share the truth of God, that there is abundant grace, mercy, and forgiveness found in Jesus. So biblical counseling principles are all through our mentor ministry. Pastor Byers, when you shared your Discipleship River illustration in the past, it really resonated with me. And that then, as Janet and I were talking about it, became the mindset for how we put the mentor ministry together. Since a believer's life is pictured as riding in a canoe on a river— you're in the river with other believers. And so equipping and discipleship are just naturally taking place along the way through worship services, adult Bible fellowships, small groups, Bible studies. And if the mentor ministry is doing its job, we're in the river and we're waiting to pair women who are hurting, those who reach out to us with women who are ready to serve. And then encouraging also those informal mentoring relationships that just naturally come about. And then these women who are in the river together, are just actively sharing the ugliness of their sin. They're being transparent about their struggles. They're holding one another accountable, basically doing 1 Thessalonians 5.14 with one another, admonishing the unruly, encouraging the faint-hearted, helping the weak, being patient with everyone. And if we're doing this in the river, then there will be fewer people getting off in those eddies, right, seeking formal counseling. So because we're helping them to address what's in their heart, with the Word of God in a safe and encouraging and hope-giving environment. It's been such a blessing, and it's been awesome to see how those relationships are working out. Yeah, and I think the way it impacts me as a pastor with this illustration I used at the beginning, it didn't in any way concern me when the young couple that I was working with said, you know, I think we might be getting to a place where we don't have to have formal counseling anymore. And it's not like I said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no especially when she layered on, but it would be great to have a mentor moving forward. In my mind, what that meant was, you know, the exact same principles that I've been emphasizing in a concentrated way during counseling, it's just going to continue to be fleshed out. Right. It'll be less formal, less intense, but it it doesn't need to be anymore. I did the job that I was supposed to do, but it doesn't in any way concern me that now it's going to be transitioned over to a mentor because I know they're going to continue to get exact. Mm -hmm. We're all on the same page theologically. Yes. And I cannot tell you how reassuring that is. So, So you made my life easier because of the work that you're doing. There's just no question about that. And I hope we would then say, well, Steve, then you better get busy doing something else. And that's right. (laughs) It it allows me then to move on to some other uh, ministry opportunity because we're working together, but we're all on the same page. 
So, so here's my question. Let, let's say that there's someone who is in her local church right now, and she might be where you mentioned you were, Janet, yes. 30 years ago, where a heart that wants to serve others, that wants to make a difference, but isn't sure what to say in those conversations, what would your advice for each of you be to a godly woman who wants to get to a place where she can be a help from the perspective of the truth of the Scripture? I think I would start with saying, I would not first focus on how can I help others. I would focus first on, do I even know my own heart patterns? Right. I'm not going to be compassionate and helping other people with their heart patterns if I don't know mine. I'm going to be probably self-righteous as I try to help someone else. So my first Mm -hmm. goal is not, how can I help them understand and be where I am? I need to understand I'm not where I think I am. Good word. So I need to do that. How can I encourage someone else to grow practically if I don't understand how hard that process is myself? So what that's done for me is help me realize I'm not any better than anyone else. So if I'm first looking at my own idols and fighting my daily repentance and having people in my life, it's growing a compassion. And then I would say, take advantage of all the opportunities that are out there to get better equipped. And I know with our biblical counseling is doing with the virtual training, there's so many ways now to get that. But within your own church, seek a mentor, seek training, be vulnerable, go to your pastors. I love it. I had someone just reach out to me that just joined the church and ask if we could get together. And she said, I'm looking for ways to get involved. Uh, Okay, we're going to get coffee and we're not just going to talk about what are your skills? We're going to be talking about where she is and what she can be growing in so she can be even more equipped. So wherever you are in the process, seek more training, seek to understand your own heart, but start loving the women around you. Don't wait till you think you're ready. Thank you. And Jen, from your perspective, you know, you were talking about already teaching the Word of God, but I think your point was, but you weren't teaching them practically how to apply the Word of God to everyday life from the perspective of the heart. And so, right. as is often the case, it's, it's the two missing words from the Great Commission where people think, well, okay, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, that we're to go into all the world, we're to make disciples, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then they think, what, and then Jesus said, teaching them all that I commanded you. Well, wait a minute, that's missing two really important words, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. So Sunday school teaching or small group leading, whatever it is, it's not simply the dissemination of biblical facts. It's a matter of teaching the Word of God in a way that helps people change, to observe all that God has commanded. So, So what would your advice be as you think about going from where you were at that moment to where God has brought you today, how do you make the transition and how would you advise somebody else to do that? Remember what you just told me yesterday about <laughs> the, what was the empty spaces in your Bible studies that you used to teach? Oh, yeah. I pulled out some of my old Bible studies from when I was a new believer. Loved looking up all the Greek words and filling in all the cross-references. Day five, application, blank. That's fascinating. Completely blank. I pulled it out and I ran into my husband's office at home. I said, look, it's all blank. I can actually fill them in now. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, just like Janet said, keep growing. Keep looking for ways to learn and serve and live out what you're learning. And as far as getting involved in mentoring or discipling another woman, I think a lot of women will hesitate because they don't think they're equipped. Right. Right. 
But I say to them, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you and you have the written word of God in your hand. And you have your pastors to answer all the questions that you don't know. So what's, and can what's I add, to stop you? have you? Jen, because the way we've designed our ministry, she checks in with all the mentors, which is helps them. Right. If they're not sure what to do, right. they can talk to Jen, who can help them even make sure they're getting below the surface to what's going on in the heart. Correct. So they're not out there alone. No, they check in once a month and we see how it's progressing and they give us specific prayer requests and we pray for them. And it's just a beautiful work that the Lord has made. So let's say that there's a pastor listening to this today or an elder in the church, and they're thinking one of two things. Either we don't have developed women's ministries, and so there's just no place formally for individuals in our church to go, or we've got women's ministries all right, but they're very inconsistent with what we're trying to do in the rest of the church ministry. So our ladies' ministries are not on the same page theologically with the rest of the church, and so it's actually creating difficulty in the church because it just doesn't fit together as a cohesive approach to disciple-making. What would you say to a pastor who would say, "I, I wish there was a Janet and there was a Jen in our church. What do I do? Well, the first thing I would say is aim a little higher right. than that. <laughs> I uh, thoroughly agree with that, Janet. <laughs> but because seriously, we're all made of the same stuff. So I don't even know that I would say that they should try to find one. I would say they need to plan to grow them because right. that's what happened with me. When I came here, I was enslaved to the fear of man. I would not speak in public. I picked my degree in college based on the one that would not require me to get up in front of people. I have incredibly embarrassing (laughs) stories about my stubbornness because my fear made me stubborn. I would not. So if you had looked at me then, I don't think you would have said, oh, she'll probably be running our women's ministries. But once I got growing, I was given the opportunity to serve. I do believe there were many people who came alongside and saw that I had a desire to grow. And because of that, they gave me opportunities to lead. At some point, I was then asked to go back to the college ministry. I was a little older and disciple younger women. So I would say give women in your church opportunities to develop. Invest in them. Find ways to do that. Help them taste and see that the Lord is good. For me, the Lord used my job. I had to speak in front of people. And I had to teach supervisors. And all I knew to teach them that would really help was the Word of God. So I took biblical principles and took the verses out and taught that at Purdue. Yeah. And that helped me realize I actually enjoy that. So investing in their biblical literacy, encourage them. I love that you said you had the mentor sit in on your last session. That didn't only help you. She is now confident. She knows what you want her to do. She knows what you want her to cover. She knows what needs to happen. And she knows she can go back to you or Jen if she has questions. And I've had my mentors tell me more than once. They don't feel equipped, but when they know what we want them to do and who they can go to for help then they're going to keep growing. So invest in them. I still remember the woman who discipled me, led me to the Lord in college. The first time she said to me, recognize where I was, you have leadership potential. Nobody had ever said that to me before. And why would you? Like I'm in the back of the room hiding in the bathroom if anything is going on. And that encouraged me to want to keep growing. And when I came here, the college pastor said the same thing to me. So I would say, look for women who want to grow, look for women who are learners, and then invest in them. That is an incredibly helpful word because 
Another way of saying that from a pastor's perspective is don't be perfectionistic. So don't look for the person who supposedly has it all together already. And if you can't find that person, then you can't do anything. I tell people all the time that I've been blessed. My spiritual gift in part is a terrible memory. And so, Janet, some of what you just said, I had long ago forgotten, but you're starting to bring up some memories now uh-oh, that are, that are interesting. That and, could be um, bad. You may not share them right now. Oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that. But it just, it's just interesting to watch the grace of God being walked out in somebody's life and now to see the Lord use you speaking publicly in a way that ministers to so many. That's Jesus. That's, Absolutely. That's Jesus. Oh, my family was always somebody. like, seriously? Because they know me. Yeah. So for a pastor or other leaders to be looking for someone who's willing to be trained and willing to be discipled and to be able to see them through the lens of the future grace of God. So this is a long play, isn't it? Absolutely. Developing effective women's ministries that are consistent with the overall philosophy of ministry of the church. That's a long play, but it's also a, a very delightful one. Jen, how do you say that? What, what would you advise a, a pastor who said, boy, I wish I had a woman who could lead our mentor ministry like Jen does? Well, like Janet said, we're where we're at today because someone else invested in us. And I remember sitting in my first Bible study wondering, who are the Hebrews? What are Gentiles? And why on earth does everyone have more than one name? I was so confused. And I grew up going to Sunday school, so I knew all the stories, but I was illiterate until a sweet older woman sought me out and just started pouring into me. She taught me how to read the scriptures, how to study them, and the Lord used her mightily to light a fire in me for Jesus and a deep love for his word. And so to the pastors, I would say, be a student of your congregation, observe them, learn who they are, look at those who are serving, look at those who may be sitting in the back row, and just get to know them. And then, like Janet said, teach them, grow them, allow them opportunities to serve and invest in them so that they are doing the works of service. They get to see, taste and see that the Lord is good. They get to Mm -hmm. see it, and then they're going to want more. Right. And you know, I had never heard that part of your story regarding an elderly woman who served you at that time. I, I've never met her or even heard about her, but I'm indebted to her because I am too. <laughs> the work that she poured into your heart and life is now paying marvelous dividends in the hearts and lives of ladies in our church today. Right. And so praise the Lord for what she did how yes. many years ago and how that's now bearing fruit in a different city, in a different church, and I praise the Lord for that. Right. And, you know, all we're talking about right now, this is biblical counseling in action. So maybe people don't even generally think about women's ministries as, well, that's not counseling. Well, yes, it is if we're talking about counseling being part of the overall discipleship means and ministries of the church. And when it's all cohesive, when it's consistent, when it fits together, then someone can walk from the counseling room right into being mentored, right into the women's ministries, right into some other ministry of the church, and it's all going to fit together so they're going to be able to grow in an effective, efficient way. 
Hey, hey, thanks so much for your time today. And if you're listening and thinking, boy, I'd like to get more training, feel free to check us out at, at faithlafayette.org conferences. And what's really exciting about all of this is there are more training opportunities and delivery systems than ever before. And so if you're interested in receiving training in person, those options are available to you. If you would prefer a, a guided virtual experience, that's available to you as well. As I said at the beginning, you'll have access to the content for 30 days afterwards so you can review it. Don't hesitate to jump in and get started. And I hope you wouldn't say, well, you know, I'm not sure that I know what to say. I know how to say it, et cetera, et cetera. We were all there. Janet was there. Jen Absolutely. was there. I was there. <laughs> Please don't minimize how the Holy Spirit of God can use you in the heart and life of someone else. We're just talking about having a compassion that desires to speak to others and is learning how to speak God's truth well. Biblical counseling training will help you do that. I hope you're going to look for all sorts of ways to put biblical counseling in action in the days ahead. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Now, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.